Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. I'm your host, Sam, and Sarah will also be a guest on today's episode. Ho, ho, Merry Krimbus! <laughs> in today's episode, we are getting into all of the Christmas and holiday romance we could find in the words of Sarah, ho, 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 bitches. Trigger we warnings are- for this episode are daddy kink. Yay. <laughs> and abduction, but the good there- kind. Yeah, there's some abduction thrown in there. Uh, be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. So Sarah and I have been nonstop reading <laughs> all of these Christmas and holiday books that have been recommended all over TikTok and some other platforms. And we are here to tell you what is worth reading and what you can kind of skip over if you have some limited time on your hands. Tis the season to be on the naughty list. (laughs) So I just wanted to start off by going over some of the common tropes that you're going to find in a lot of these books. Uh, There were quite a few things that popped up in several different books, starting off strong with using Christmas lights for bondage in the bedroom. Now, (laughs) this happened in two different stories that we read. Does not seem safe or advisable for actual bondage play in the bedroom. I do not recommend. Like, I can can appreciate the aesthetic of it all, uh, but (laughs) I think in real life, it's not advisable. It seems really pointy and pokey and seems like a recipe for disaster. So, you know, just at least everything is LED now. So like you won't burn the shit out of your skin. So at least we've got that that going. In addition to uh, Christmas light bondage, there are so many winter and holiday themed last names. People with the actual names of like holiday and winter and all sorts of I believe one person had the last name of Claus. It's so many I feel <laughs> cliche like when, last names pop up over and over again. I feel like when you're writing a holiday romance, it, you, you're just going to go balls to the wall. So you might as well just go full blown Christmas everything. In addition, mall Santas and, like, the fake Santas come up constantly. They're all over this bitch. Some of the love interests are mall Santas or do some fake Santa work on the side. And some of the time they're just supporting characters. And the last thing is there are a lot of Nicks. I mean, (laughs) I feel like almost every other book, his name was Nick. So many Nicks. So that's going to come up a lot as we're going over these summaries. All right. So we sorted how we are going to talk about these books by length. They go from shortest to longest. And here is my PSA about novellas. And maybe it's because I just wrote a novella. So I have like PTSD. But novellas are not for everyone. Uh, These are short stories. They are straight to the point. There's usually a lot of insta-love, a lot of insta-lust. They revolve around the smut. So if you are more of a plot-heavy reader who wants angst and a lot of character development, a lot of plot development, novellas may not be for you. But if you're looking for a palate cleanser, a short, quick, dirty read, novellas are your jam. Sarah's rant about novellas right there for you. I just read so many reviews on novellas that are like, this story should have been so much longer. This, this, it's a novella. It's supposed to be short. I saw, um, I'm trying to think. Who wrote that one novella that got really popular? I'm not thinking Harley LaRue and the Dare. Maybe I'm thinking... It was one of the TikTok creators that I see on my feed all the time. So maybe I'm thinking uh, Dana. She, ga- games we play? Was that Dana? Yes. 
Yeah. So that's who it was. So I saw Dana make a bunch of TikToks of reviews like you were just talking about where people were like, it's so short. And she's like, it's a novella. (laughs) It's literally it's supposed to be. And and that's the whole point of a novella. Like a, a really good novella that's like. I don't know, that perfect spot of 150 pages, I feel like you get some really good character and plot development. But if it's under 100 pages, you really get to use your imagination. And it's really about the smut. And it's a quick story. That is the point of a novella. A lot of these that we're going to talk about are novellas. And starting off with the shortest one on the list, we have How the Monster Stole Christmas by Jade Price at 59 pages. Now, this story follows Grimm and Cindy... It is a Grinch retelling, uh, but she doesn't use the word Grinch because Jade wasn't trying to get sued by Dr. Seuss's family. So (laughs) this book is like peak ridiculousness. Sarah, tell us your thoughts on How the Monster Stole Christmas. If you have to just choose one book out of this entire list... Like, please choose this one because it's fucking insane. I feel like I laughed every single page of this book. Like, none of it made sense. Like, it was just, like, pure <laughs> monster. Like, just just please search it and look at the cover and make your decision. Because, did she like, draw this cover? If she did, like, she deserves an award. Because, like, <laughs> like, it's... It's like a kind of a grinchy face and he's got like a really nice body, like a green, nice body. And you can see his dick is huge in the bulge of his Santa pants. (laughs) And so what happens is Cindy quit her job. She's back home uh, enjoying Christmas with her family. And in the middle of the night, she gets kidnapped by this kind of monster kind of man named Grimm. And he takes her back to his house and Grimm it's a little bit left unknown but it sounds like they've met before and Grimm has always had a thing for Cindy and he finally sees this as his moment for them to be together yeah I wrote on my notes that he mentioned several times that he was just waiting for her to come home and he's been obsessed with her for years and I was like I want to know more about that. Like, where where the fuck... How do you know her? Like, apparently he has a human form. Like, did she recognize him in his human form? Do they actually know each other and she's just never seen this form of his before? Like, I wanted to know a little bit more about that. It is, like, kind of cleared up at the end, but not really. But he's also, like, really rich in his human form. So it really doesn't make sense why he didn't, like pursue her sooner but Mm -hmm. I guess he really wanted someone to accept this monster side of him and Cindy is like DTF ready to go (laughs) for his candy cane dick instantly (laughs) the candy cane dick the fucking candy cane dick oh my god so it's not an actual candy cane but like the skin of it I guess I guess is multicolored and has the swirl (laughs) Of a candy cane, and apparently his jizz tastes like peppermint. (laughs) I wish I could paint for you guys a picture of my face while I was reading this book. And Sarah had forewarned me of, like, how crazy this shit was. But then, like, I'm reading through it, and it gets to the first smut scene, and the fucking dialogue from Grimm (laughs) is just sending me into orbit of, like, what the fuck is happening in this book? The way he talks to her is (laughs) insane. He's just, like, it... I, 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 I want to give the author credit because she kind of makes him talk like a monster. Like, it's not, like, normal English, like, formed sentences. And he, like, fucks every orifice so quickly in these 59 pages. He's like, listen, we I kidnapped you. We need to cover all holes as quick as possible. And when he gets to the back door... And he mentioned that he had razzle-dazzle lube. I had to put the book down for a minute because I could not, I could not. 
contain myself. <laughs> it was it is truly just the peak of ridiculousness. It is the craziest story. It does not take itself seriously at all. It is just absurdity mixed with smut. And if you're just looking for something silly or you just need a break from heavy reading, this could be the brain break you need. I would definitely say, like, this book is the definition of not for everyone. Because, like, there, I'm sure there are some people that would be completely turned off by, like, the silliness mixed with the smut. But for Sarah and I, we were just dying. It, we were laughing ourselves to tears reading this book. Yeah, and it's not the kind of book, like, you're getting turned on by the smut. Honestly, like, I would put this into monster rom-com if I had to put it in anywhere. It is so funny. It's so funny. Please read it. It's so short, too. You can read this in a quick hour. Yeah, it will not take you any time at all. Uh, Moving right along... We have The Naughty List by Ellie May, which is 59 pages. This is Kate and Nikolai's story. Nikolai is actually Santa Claus. I believe this is the only book we read where it was actually Santa Claus as the love interest. I believe so, yes. Uh, Kate is soon to be divorced from her awful ex-husband. She's in her early 40s. And she's just upset because her ex took her kids on a trip on Christmas and she's home alone. And Santa finds her sleeping on the couch, dressed in lingerie, and things just kick off from there. So the part of this that just was so confusing is that Kate thought this was a dream. Like, I think she's sucking his dick and she's just like, wait... This isn't a this isn't a dream. This is real. Like, hot Santa is really here, and we're getting it on. And he is hot Santa. I mean, he's got like tattoos and shit, and he's big. And it was really funny to me because at first she's like, "Don't talk, don't ruin it." And it's in his point of view, and he's like, "I really want to talk and tell her how pretty she is." Really, if you ever wanted to fuck a hot Santa, this is truly the book for you. There. Oh my gosh. The fact that if realistically, if we're thinking of Santa as a sexual being, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that Santa would have a fantasy about having sex in his sleigh, just like so many guys have like a car sex fantasy. And I'm glad that Nikolai got to live out that fantasy. His sleigh seemed pretty dope too. Like, there mm-hmm. was standing room, it was warm in there, but he carried her butt-ass naked out in the snow to the sleigh. Like, no concern about anything. What I did like is the lore in it where uh, Nikolai was, he was trying to explain timelines because she's like, you don't have time to sex me up, it's Christmas, you gotta deliver the presents. And he's like, time goes as slow as I need it to go to get all these presents delivered and he knows about her kids and what they got for Christmas and mm-hmm. uh, he asks her what she would want for Christmas and it is to truly get divorced and he makes her Christmas wish come true. Yeah, I think he should have put Cole in her ex-husband's stocking just to really top it all off. I do really like too that they were older, you know, in their 40s. I feel like that's something you don't see a lot in a lot of writing it's everyone's usually pretty young so that what i i could appreciate that and i thought it was a very cute ending as well yeah i agree i thought i liked um how her kids were involved at the ending i just like kate as a female main character like just truly a go with the flow kind of girl like oh hot santa's in my house okay i guess we'll fuck why not Yeah, and she just really needed to get it in. She was just like, I needed this Merry Christmas to me. I don't know what woman is sleeping in lingerie that doesn't need to get it in. Like, that's a statement right there. Lingerie is not comfortable, typically. No, and I give her credit. You know, she was wearing it for herself, and then Santa just came to enjoy it. (laughs) Literally. Oh, my gosh. Moving along to Step Santa by Logan Chase, which was 66 pages. 
This story is about wintering Kane. Uh, a winter. Winter comes home because her mom married someone after three weeks of knowing them. And that's when she finds out Kane is her new stepbrother. This story was a little silly. They're 26 and 30. They didn't grow <laughs> up together. It wasn't taboo. You know, if you want to name a book Step Santa, I want it to be like they became step siblings as teenagers. There was always attention. And then maybe they come home and they're adults and now they want to get it on. I feel like that is really more taboo and it would have made the story more interesting. Uh-oh, is Sarah planning out her Santa novella? Is that what I'm hearing right now? Oh, don't even get me started on uh, Alpine Alphas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, the idea that this was like a forbidden romance was so ridiculous. Like, you're two grown-ass adults meeting for the first time. If you want to go fuck, just go fuck. Like, no one cares that much. Yeah, and, and the whole marriage of their parents didn't make any sense. At one dinner, they were all over each other, and then the next paragraph, they had problems. It was, it just seemed like, let's just have their parents get married so that we have this conflict. But I feel like, as adults, most people would be able to overcome that. It's not as taboo. You didn't grow up together. You're not related. It, I, it was just lacking for me. Yeah. Uh, also the fact that they like decided they were in love after being together once I was like okay people yeah you're just <laughs> like, like your stupid mom you're you're inside this woman for the first time and you're like I'm in love it's like no dude you're just about to have an orgasm there's a difference yeah and honestly I don't really remember much of the smut either um so you know your Christmas time is limited. I would probably put this in the pass file. Agreed. Uh, moving on to something that I believe is 100% worth your time is Dipped in Holly by Dana Asali. Uh, 70 pages of just lovely storytelling by Dana. She was sweet enough to send us some arcs so that we could read it prior to uh, it coming out and then because she hit did she release early because she hit a pre-sale goal Am she I did and she actually got number one in the kindle store for this novella which is you know just absolutely amazing we love to see it yeah so fantastic job dana we really enjoyed this story so this is holly and nick's story holly uh gets dumped in nick's bar uh, she's crying in the bathroom when he, as the bathroom police, as she says, comes to see if she's all right and try and hustle her out of the bathroom because other people need to use it. And he's realizing like, oh, she's having a rough time because her ex-boyfriend is a real tool bag. Nick is a hot silver fox. They have an immediate attraction to each other. And he's about, like, twice her age, and it really kind of sets you up for some daddy kink. So, you know, Sarah was down immediately. And I gotta say, this is very like daddy kink. If you're thinking about dipping that toe in the daddy pond, this is a great <laughs> first start. Because it doesn't, it it's more just so a dominant sub relationship, which happens really quick. It's a novella that trust they get is pretty instant. Um, but I got to say, you know, if you've been thinking about the daddy, just, you know, dipped in Holly, dip your toe into this daddy book. <laughs> um, I love the scene when right after Nick gets Holly out of the bathroom, he's, uh, talking to her at the bar and they see that her ex is still there and just to kind of like rub it in her ex's face Nick kisses her in front of the ex and then her ex is being a douchebag so he physically picks him up and throws him out of the bar and I was like that's that's peak right there you couldn't ask for anything more that's hot 
that's hot. And Holly was already in. Holly was like, I need to get over this other guy. And Nick is hot. But I think when she saw that, she was sold. So she stays... She stays in the bar all night, helps him clean up, and he lives upstairs at the bar, and they just wind up having this really special one-night stand with each other. The connection is really instant. Uh, I don't think Holly knew she was really into the whole daddy thing, but with him, it came really naturally, and it doesn't seem like she had a great sex life with her ex. Yeah, it definitely seems like things with Nick really connect instantly. Um I loved that we got to see the morning after like it didn't just end after their one night together and we get to see Holly dealing with her ex being an asshole and having the girl he cheated with at their apartment or shared place or wherever they were living and then Nick takes her out for breakfast at his favorite place and it's just really cute like I I love seeing the time shared together and seeing them start to grow that relationship. And I thought the ending was really reasonable, too. He was like, hey, we have a connection. We need to continue this. It wasn't like, come and live with me and we're in love. It's, hey, (laughs) that was unexpected and hot. We got to keep this going. And from what I've seen from Dana, it's hinted that she will be revisiting this couple in the future. I don't know if she plans on doing holiday-themed celebrations with those two, but it definitely seems like we will be seeing some more of Nick and Hotley. Love that. All right, moving on. We have another Nick and Holly. (laughs) (laughs) This is The Boss Who Stole Christmas by Jaina Aston. It is 78 pages. Um, so don't get it confused. Different Nick and Holly. We're moving on. This is a real grumpy sunshine, which in mine and Sarah's humble opinions is the absolute fantastic top tier trope. We love it so much. Grumpy sunshine is number one. Number one. E- either way. I don't care it, who's the grump either. I feel like it works both ways. And that's actually going to come up later. So Nick is Holly's boss, uh, and they don't really get along with each other. They work at a company that sells toys, and Nick decides that Holly needs to go on a trip with him to Germany uh, so they can recreate a store and cafe that they have over there. Holly has been building and designing this teddy bear cafe that already exists in Germany, and he wants to take her to see the original location. And it's just, it's so cute. Holly is such a fucking dummy. Like, I spent so much of this story being like, Holly, you're stupid. But then I felt validated because then Holly's sisters are like, Holly, you're stupid. (laughs) Yeah, so she did have people telling her that she's an idiot. She was just so oblivious. And I guess I could see that. She really doesn't think that Nick likes her uh, by the way he, he talks and treats her. But she does the same back because he gets on her nerves. But... She does make some dumb decisions. Uh, Mm -hmm. When they're in Germany, uh, he takes her to this beautiful uh, Christmas market because he knows she loves Christmas. And of course, Holly's like, oh, he really, he wants this experience. Not thinking, oh, he's specifically taking me here because he knows I'm going to love it. And uh, they run into an old co-worker of his and they're speaking in German. And the woman is kind of eyeing Holly and Nick. And after she leaves, Holly is like, well, what did she say? And he was like, she asked me if we were sleeping together. And she's like, well, what did you say? And she's like, that hell no. And in reality, he is talking in German and saying all he wants for Christmas is to kiss her, which was so cute. (laughs) I love Nick so much. The scene where... Nick has this board in his office uh, that is filled with letters from children about their thoughts on the toys and like them talking about how he's made these changes to make the toys more gender neutral so that all the kids can be included and is like taking feedback from the kids really seriously 
and how he like wants to build a takeout counter into Holly's shop so that all the kids can be included. And it's like, I love Nick so much because he cares so deeply about his job and the influence he has over the kids who shop there. And I'm just like, Holly, you're kind of stupid. You need to appreciate Nick more because he's wonderful. She really does. I feel like she sees him as this big wig, big city guy, when reality, he loves living in Reindeer Falls and he loves his job and I think it also comes from him being in Germany for so long and the difference between him and his family members since they were all upbeat and cheery. But man, the smugness also I thought was really good because we start off hot at the German Christmas market. He takes Mm -hmm. her up to a church outside on the balcony of the church and showing her in a church, (laughs) showing her all of the lights, which she absolutely loved. And Yep, fingers are in the church, and then they go back to their hotel and have just, like, mind-blowing sex, and then the day after, Holly is just such an idiot. She's, like, I I guess she's just so in her head about it that Nick just wanted this one-night stand, and he really wouldn't want anything to do with her in the future. I feel like she had a lot of self-confidence issues. Mm -hmm. I just want her to thank her sisters for including those condoms in her advent calendar because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to have sex more than once yeah so cheers to the sisters speaking of the sisters i did read the second book in this series and i plan on reading the third and then there are three other ones that aren't the sisters uh so the second one is her sister ginger (laughs) (laughs) and she is a baker and she's a part of this huge uh christmas bake-off thing that's happening in reindeer falls and she has a huge crush on this professional baker who is competing against her and i really wouldn't call it an enemies to lovers uh but they are definitely more like insta connection um and they they fall for each other really fast. There's kind of a push and pull because she fears that he'll want to leave Reindeer Falls because he's rich and famous. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was really cute. And I just love Jaina Aston. Um, she ties humor into her books so well. Um, and if you don't want a Christmas read, I highly recommend her cafe series. It's on Kindle Unlimited. So funny. This was my first Jaina Aston read, but I've seen her stuff recommended all over TikTok, and I'm definitely interested in reading some more of her series because I really enjoyed her writing style. Yeah, the Cafe series is spot on. It's it's so good. I love a rom-com, and she she does it really well. All right, moving right along to Stocking Stuffers by Erin McKellen, which is 124 pages, so we're starting to get up there in length a little bit. Stocking Stuffers follows Sasha and Perry. Sasha is a uh, sales representative and marketing. Is she the head of marketing? Yeah, she's a marketing manager. Marketing manager for a sex toy company. And she is giving an a sex toy presentation at an inn when she gets snowed in. Perry walks in in the middle of her sex toy presentation and there's just an instant connection between them. They end up getting snowed in together at the inn and, you know, sex and fun times ensue. This book, fantastic sex positivity, so much open and clear communication. Perry is the opposite of toxic masculinity. He's down to try whatever he said. You want to stick things up my butt? You want to use some nickel clam- nipple clamps? <laughs> Let's do it. Um, he, I loved Perry so much. Sasha got on my nerves. Like, girl, you can't have all of this, like, maturity when it comes to your sexuality and then be so emotionally immature. Like, she was ready to completely swear off all serious relationships because of one failed relationship it's a silly mindset to have so i will give sasha credit because you got to realize it's only been a year being left at the altar and it's only been a year i feel like it would be one thing if it was five years and she still had that mindset but it's it this is her first christmas from being left at the altar i can understand why she's in a bad mental state but like 
it's not usually what you see. Like, Perry is all in. Perry is like, I want to be with this girl. She's so cute. And I love that Sasha had a pixie haircut. I don't think you see that enough with girls with short hair in romance books. Mm-hmm. And so many toys. So, so, so many, many toys. toys. Which is real life. And the way she talks about the sex toys, the way she uses them during all of their adventures, uh is amazing and the sex positivity in this book is one that i haven't seen in many other books not only with the toy usage but sasha is very pansexual uh and open to anything and perry is very open and understanding we love a confident cis man he he was down for everything he really was i loved that first of all the smut was top tier like fantastic smut all the way around I loved that the first smut scene was mutual masturbation instead of, like, anything penetrative. I loved that it started off there and built up from that. I agree. It just kind of got more and more and more and more the further you went. And the other characters in the end, you saw so much more exclusivity with uh, their two lesbian couples there. Um, Everyone in the story was just extremely open. Um, And it was... I definitely recommend this read. And I can see how Sasha got on your nerves, but it was only a year. We'll, we'll give her a break. <laughs> I'm like, Sasha, look at how amazing Perry is. Why are you being like that? I know, but could you imagine being left at the altar? No, I would, I would die. And, I, and it's I only would... a year and it was on Christmas. So she's got like, she's just, she's in a bad mental spot right now. We're going to give her a break. Okay, <laughs> Sarah's talked me into it. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, moving on to the only male male book on this list. We have Santa Daddy by Kier Andrews. Uh, this was 141 pages. This story is about Nick and Hunter. Hunter is 22 years old and is having a hard time finding direction. He's just recently graduated. He's the only job he was able to find was working at an elf over as an elf over the weekend at a uh, mall. And that's where he meets Nick, who is filling in as Santa as a favor. Uh, Nick is 46 and he's a real grump who owns a Christmas tree farm. They have... I wouldn't say, like, it's a connection at first. Like, Nick is very attracted to Hunter right away, and Hunter's very attracted to Nick right away. But Nick is a huge douchebag, like, right off of the bat to Hunter for no real reason. And that really made me mad at him immediately. I agree. When he was talking about... just like millennials and uh-huh. why why doesn't he have a job go work anywhere you know why i had this and this when i was his age oh god it did make me want to like slap that man luckily he's given real boomer energy such boomer and he's gen x like come on he's gen x he's not a boomer like why are you giving him these vibes anyway but like he does redeem himself and he does learn you know, that he's being a little shit. And that's true. Nick has pretty much kept to himself on his farm. His partner, who he absolutely adored, who was a doctor, passed away eight years ago by drowning, trying to save someone from a lake. And I got to say, that was a very odd part of this book to me, is he kind of heard his ex-boyfriend's thoughts in his head. Mm Mm-hmm. Did it seem weird to you? Yeah, it seemed... It was like, instead of having his own internal monologue, he would just have uh, his exes... Why don't you want to say ex, Like, former partners, uh, like, voice in his head instead of an internal monologue. And it, it does come off like, okay... And like, it's, it's weird thoughts. Like, it's like his dead partner telling him to fuck this little guy. Like, I'm just yeah. like... <laughs> Like, why can't these be your own thoughts? But (laughs) so like when this book book first started off, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, you know, like Nick is like a grump, but like 
some of the dialogue, like you said, about like coming off as a boomer and this inner monologue of his dead partner. <laughs> but then, whew, it, it, it takes a turn. Uh, so our man, Hunter, Nick is like, hey, you need a job. I need help on my tree farm. Come on out and you can help me chop down trees. Hunter drives out there. Nick lives in the middle of nowhere. And he gets stuck in the snow, and he can't move his car, and he calls Nick to try and tell him that he's being, he's stuck. And Nick just thinks that he's being, like, a young idiot and not being on time and hangs up on him. And Hunter has to basically, like, walk in this blizzard to Nick's house. I was so mad. I I was so mad, too, like... that's a dangerous situation and he Mm -hmm. just hung up on him and he didn't have service after that it was it was not cool but he does make up for it with his guilt uh when he does see hunter walking up to the house yeah there's definitely some uh groveling on nick's end when he realizes what an asshole he's been which does make up for it a little bit I really loved Hunter's relationship with his mom. She's so sweet and supportive and they have like such little great banter and it's obvious that like it's a very loving and fulfilling relationship. The praise kink in this book was off the charts. Like (laughs) So Hunter is a virgin, which was not my favorite. You know how we feel about this. I it, I just feel like it, it wasn't needed for this story. Like, Hunter's got enough issues. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't need to be a virgin. And the way they talk about him, it's like he's super hot but has no confidence whatsoever. But, like, he went away to college. Like, come on. I don't know. That part wasn't believable to me. But Nick is a daddy dom. I feel like we get a little bit deeper into daddy kink in this book than Mm -hmm. we do in Dipped in Holly with the role that Nick wants to take. From the way that they talk, it is more of a sexual daddy-dom thing. So it's not full-time where Nick is in charge. It's just when they're having sex. And holy mother of God, the spice in this book. Jesus. And, like... It doesn't take long. Like, obviously, it couldn't take long because it's 141 pages. But it's, like, the minute that Nick realizes that Hunter's going to be trapped in the house with him because of the snowstorm, it's, like, immediate, like, okay, we're going to fuck them. Like, this is my first book that has been strictly M.M. I've read a bunch of reverse harems that have M.M. in them. But this is the only book that I've read that's just just straight up M.M., me too. And this, I feel like, has got me over the hump, and I'm ready to read more because, whole, like, I can look past everything else now because the smut in this book was so good. I think that this might honestly be the hottest book out of all of these. Mm-hmm. It, like, smut level was to 9,000. It was amazing. It, it, it's what they do, how they do it, what Nick says to him while they're doing it, the descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't do anything crazy. It, it's all pretty straightforward things that they do, uh, but the way the author describes everything, whew, hot. Yes. Very much so. We wholeheartedly approve. Yeah. This is on the naughty list. Read it. uh also one of our favorites on this list the fake santa apology tour by julia oliver at 158 pages this story follows birdie may and another nick uh in the beginning of the story we see that they met when they were children and birdie believes that nick cursed her and has ruined christmas for her for the rest of her life and she has held on to this grudge since they met that many years ago and they run into each other again just out of nowhere in this small town and she cannot believe her eyes that she has this Nick who cursed her in front of her again and this story is so wholesome and cute and has the best banter and I loved it so much. I loved the prologue. I was sucked in by the prologue. Anyone who was born late 80s, early 90s, 
when she talks about the goddamn Furby and how hard it was to get a Furby that year, I felt it. I was like, yeah, man, I was feeling that yeah. in 1999, too. <laughs> I wanted that scary Furby. And I did not get one either. It, so it had that really good nostalgic feel to it. And for someone who kind of hates Christmas, Birdie makes her money by shelling out sexy Santa Christmas books. Um, and she's had a thing for guys who dress up like Santa. All of her boyfriends have been Santas. All of her boyfriends have been fake Santas. And Birdie decides that she has made some mistakes along the way. And with Nick's help, she goes on a fake Santa apology tour where she is using stand-in mall Santas and other Santas around this Christmas-themed town to basically have, like, one-on-one therapy sessions and apologize to them like they are one of her ex-boyfriends. And some of the Santas are cool with it and just go with the flow. And some of the Santas think she's really fucking weird (laughs) wondering why she's doing this. So we also need to mention that Nick looks like a Santa. He is not a Santa. He has got some beef with Santas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really funny because when Birdie met Nick... Her dad passed away that day, so she correlates that negatively. And when Nick met Birdie, he kind of she kind of turned everything around for him because he was finally getting out of the system and ready to live his life. So they had such a big impact on each other's lives from such a menial little interaction, and it's just followed them. And Nick is so goddamn cute. He's so cute. I just love their back and forth between them. I love that Birdie just wound up in his apartment by accident because <laughs> he lives on top of a bookstore. And she just walked up the stairs into his apartment and was like, well, the door was open. <laughs> and he, they just have so many cute run-ins and I love them so much. This book does such a good job with flirting. I feel like a lot of books, we don't get the flirt. You know, it's either enemies to lovers or insta there's so much flirting and good banter mm-hmm. between the two of them and uh it, they're, they're just so cute together i love this story i felt like i was smiling like the whole time i really was there is some sad parts where birdie talks about her story with her dad passing away and then her mom dealing with dementia and forgetting the fact that Her dad has died, and that is really what makes Birdie hate Christmas is having to go through that heartache every time where she has to explain to her mom what's going on, and she's just having a tough time with some family stuff, and I feel like her and Nick really do a good job of working through her feelings on the issue and talking through exactly what she's going to do differently, like moving forward with her relationships And it's just, it's so lovely. It's such a wholesome story. I know. So their conflict was a little bit silly because Nick's ex left him for a mall Santa. So the conflict (laughs) there was kind of dumb. But after they made up, she was like, do you want to come home for Christmas with me? And he's like, hell yeah, I do. And when her family offers him matching pajamas and like the way that he felt so loved and part of a family in that moment Mm. like oh god it gave me the fuzzies then next up we have the grump who stole christmas by s doyle which is 175 pages this is chris and paul Uh, Chris is coming back to Colorado to take care of her dad, uh, who owns an inn and a Christmas tree farm. Her and Paul don't really start off on the right foot. I would say if we're going to go with Grump and Sunshine for this, Chris would definitely be the Grump and Paul would be the Sunshine. Uh, they pick on each other quite a bit. They have a lot of cute back and forth and, Chris is realizing that the inn and the Christmas tree farm, um, while the inn is in really bad shape financially, the Christmas tree farm is doing fine because Paul is running it for free, basically. Um, And Chris is basically back to fix all of her family's issues. And this drove me nuts because it's like, I hated 
how Chris had to come back and fix all of these problems for the men in her life. Like her two brothers, her one brother who was in town was like all worried about his own issues and was just like letting things go. And her dad was just being like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't want any help. And then her other brother as a professional hockey player, he didn't want to be involved with anything at all. And it's like, of course, the one woman in the family has to come in and fix everything for everyone because women have to do all the emotional labor for the men around them. (laughs) I do got to say, the gender roles in this book did piss me off. There Mm -hmm. is a line, I forget which one of them says it, but they basically insinuate that Chris needs a wife, not a husband. And that mm-hmm. line is I I really enjoyed this book, but that line pissed me off so bad because a husband is still a husband and gender roles are not one set thing. Uh so that really did tick me off in this book, but I really uh, I feel like I share a lot of personality traits that Chris has. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. Like she is very determined. She has this job, but honestly, deep down, she would like to slow her life down a little bit. Um, and she's competitive as shit. Like they fight over this mug and it's the cutest thing. <laughs> I, like that's something that I would do. Like I, you're not going to use my mug. That's my mug. And they wake up in the middle of the night to like take the mug from each other. Um the, the back and forth between the two of them was cute. And they, they once they do, you know, hook up, I, they both obviously had feelings for each other and they were both being kind of stupid. Yeah, it was definitely, I think they could both see that there could possibly be a future there, but Chris was so set and determined on going back to New York until she did to interview for that job. And then she was like, I don't really want to be here anymore. Um, Overall, I enjoyed the story. I just felt like it needed more smut and less focused on gender roles. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Like, it, it would have been so much better if they didn't emphasize that Paul would be taking on more of a wife role and she would be more of a husband. I just did not like that. Like, they could have gone in such a better direction of being like, hey, this is what I like to do. This is what you like to do. And we can really make this work because it's what we both want. They didn't need to add those little digs in there. I just didn't like that. No. Uh, Then we have Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey at 250 pages. This is a grump sunshine where our woman in the story, Stella, is our grump who recently got out of prison and is starting her life back up. Aiden is our sunshine and he is just the happiest, go luckiest bow tie man who is general manager and majority owner of a large department store that's based on the major shopping avenue in New York City. And Stella has always wanted to be a window dresser, and Aiden gives her that opportunity, even though everyone else in the company is telling him that he shouldn't hire her because she has a criminal record. And I think Aiden is just the absolute cutest in the story, and I really loved Stella as a female main character. I did too. It's so refreshing to see a female character who has a bunch of different emotional ranges. She's not the one that's set to be happy and make everyone else be happy. Uh, She has a lot of self-doubt and can be cranky sometimes. And Aiden pulls that out of her. And she also tells Aiden, hey, you don't need to be happy all the time. If people Mm -hmm. are pissing that you off, you can let them know. So... When I pictured these two characters, it was Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso and (laughs) Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. It was those two, like, that is who I pictured the entire time I was reading this. And it Mm -hmm. is, I love Tessa Bailey. I've read quite a few Tessa Bailey books. She just, she just doesn't fucking miss, man. She doesn't miss. (laughs) I loved them so much. This was such like a warm and fuzzy story at its core. Like it, it's just a feel good story. If you are like sitting 
at home on Christmas and you just want something that's going to make you feel good inside, window shopping is where you want to be. It is so lovely. Stella grows so much throughout the story. There is such an emphasis on the importance of therapy and mental health. And there is because Stella went through the prison system and there is discussion of privilege and how privilege impacted her and was able to get her the opportunity to get out of jail early after committing a serious crime. Like there's such discussion of important topics, but it's done in such a way where you can acknowledge these important topics and still feel like so great and warm and fuzzy after you're done reading. Yeah, and you have, like, so much great tension in this book. Aiden mm-hmm. Aiden was instantly all in on Stella. He saw her looking out that window, and he was like, damn, I like how she thinks. I like her grumpy attitude. She's, like, this cute little goth chick. I just want to scoop her up and love her forever and kiss <laughs> her like a puppy. And Stella is really taking this second chance seriously, and he also takes being her boss seriously. So there's a lot of push and pull of not wanting to fuck this up for either one of them. You know, he doesn't want Stella to feel indebted to her, and Stella wants to be a professional. And there are just so many cute scenes at the store. Um, My favorite being she forgets her key and gets locked in the window, and it really reminds her of being in a prison cell and being caged in. And she calls Aiden and he's like sweating profusely because he ran down as fast as he could to unlock her and he picks her up and holds her and it's just so cute. I thought that Aiden's family was the absolute worst. They sucked so bad. But I love that Stella gave him the courage to stand up to his family. And Aiden had a switch in him. Oh, where Oof. he would be like the sweet, perfect gentleman. And then the minute they get into a sexy situation, that man could dirty talk with the best of them. And he's so dominant in the bedroom. It was hot as hell. I'm like, go off, Aiden. You know, we talk about book boyfriends and like as much as I love Ronan, that's a scary situation being with a mafia boss out in Moscow. But like, I feel like Aiden is honestly like a dream man. He's hot, rich, gentleman in the streets and a freak in the sheets, man. Dream guy. Mm, Truly a dream guy. And he just helps Stella so much, not with just giving her the opportunity, but he gives her the confidence to set boundaries with her friend that she went to jail with. Um, And... I I was really proud of her. She didn't say, hey, I'm cutting you off completely. It's like, hey, I was given this opportunity. I'm going to help you now that you're getting out of jail, but you need to make smart decisions because if you're too toxic, you need to get the fuck out because you're not messing up my life. Yeah, exactly. Like, you really see the importance of setting those boundaries and surrounding yourself with people who are going to make you a better person. Oh, my gosh. In the end when she visits her family, she thought her family hated her for what she did and and how things ended. And this whole time, Aiden has been sending them pictures of her window dressing and they just like all, oh my gosh, it was, it was, it was so cute. (laughs) It is so cute. I, I loved this book. Uh, Another book that was so cute. And our final book we're going to talk about, Faking Under the Mistletoe by Ashley Shepard, coming in at 320 pages. This is Asher and Olivia's story, another sunshine grump. This time, Olivia is the sunshine, Asher is the grump. Uh, Asher is her boss, and Sarah was very mad that this was a fade to black story. She was very I upset about it. was livid. Tell me I'm wrong. Did conversations they had not lead you to believe that we were going to get some open door scenes yeah but like i was so invested in the plot and the character development i didn't mind that much like i like i loved it i would recommend it but like would i have enjoyed it more if we got to see aiden's (laughs) asher's dick yes yes (laughs) 
Uh, this story had me in my feelings the entire time. I was so invested. This is Olivia and Asher. This is fake dating trope to the max. Asher was recently dumped by his rocket ex-girlfriend. They run into her at a public function. And Olivia decides right there on the spot that she's going to help Asher by fake dating him. And Asher is like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> Why are we doing this? And Olivia's like, well, it obviously makes the most sense in this situation. And they get roped into so many public outings together because Asher's ex is, like, so happy for them. And she's, I think she might honestly be my favorite side character in this story. Because at first I was like, does she have shady intentions? Like, is she being a bitch? But no, she was just so genuinely happy for Asher and was, like, so excited that he was in a relationship with someone who was making him happy that she just wanted to, like, invite them out and include them. And I thought that was so sweet. And I also liked, you can tell, this isn't, like, fake dating where Asher always had feelings for Olivia. Like, Asher really thinks Olivia is fucking annoying. At the end of the book, when they're together, Asher still thinks Olivia is really fucking annoying. (laughs) So it was a gradual thing where he realized how into her he was. The only thing besides seeing Asher's dick would have been if this whole book was in multi-POV. Please. I wanted to see Asher's point of view so much. You only get it with the ending uh, epilogue. And it's like, God, I want to see more of that. Especially because in the epilogue, you see still how much she gets on his nerves. And it's just like... (laughs) Oh, God, if I could have just read his point of view throughout, like, he's like, he's like, why the fuck isn't she at this party? Did she get abducted by aliens? Because she's a fucking (laughs) lunatic and only aliens like he he is very grumpy. He does not change. But the times when he is sweet with her and like, oh, God, so there's a scene where first of all. I love that she just used his credit card to buy a whole bunch of Christmas shit. She's like, it was so good. She was like, you need snowman sheets and you need a Christmas tree and you need pot holders. And she just is using his credit card to buy all this stuff. And he doesn't get rid of any of it. He keeps it all there. And oh, I loved his niece too. His niece was so funny. She was the cutest. And I loved their relationship because it was really the epitome of. I hate everyone but you, but Asher hates everyone except his niece, and him hating everyone includes Olivia. (laughs) Still, even though they're in love now, he still fucking hates her. Uh, Which, Olivia is a bit much. Olivia is uh, obnoxious, but she's had a difficult past, and I can see why she loves Christmas so much when you haven't really had that. Um... Gosh, there's a scene when they're snowed in at Asher's place, and I just loved the little moments where Asher was being really cute, like, cuddling with her, but, like, they're not doing anything, and Olivia's like, I really want to fuck, like, why? Why are we just cuddling? This is bullshit. And it's really, Asher's drawing a lot of, like, hard lines with Olivia because his father is, like, a real piece of shit. And his father has this history of, like, workplace cheating and, like, fucking employees and uh, then kind of casting them to the side and moving on. And Asher wants so badly to not be anything like his father. So you see him struggling with this fake relationship with Olivia where... He really starts to fall for her and is really attracted to her. But he also is continues to draw this line of, I don't want to cross this line because I don't want to be anything like my father. And there's this whole subplot of the story, which a lot of reviews did not like. Uh, so this is not Asher's father. This is someone else who works for the company. And he has... Uh, sexually harassed and it sounds like abused multiple women uh, and it's an open case asher tells her at one point if you are ever alone with him please call me like don't trust him he's always very flirty with olivia um and it gets to the point where he does sexually harass her um and that becomes a huge part of the plot and the conflict between asher and olivia so Mm -hmm. it did seem like there was 
a lot of drama, but I feel like office harassment isn't something that's discussed very often. And I can guarantee most women have gone through that. Especially, like I'm someone who's worked in pretty much male dominated industries. And there's just little things that men say that they just have no fucking clue, you know, how uncomfortable it makes people. Yeah. And so this was very over the top with sexual harassment, but it's a real big problem. And especially for younger women who are just entering the workforce and don't know how to stand up for themselves, it can be really difficult. I really loved Olivia as a female main character, but mostly I loved how she just did not give a fuck about what anyone else thought about her. Like she could have so easily fallen into the trope of like, oh, I'm sunshine on the outside, but oh, I I am so upset on the inside because everyone is so mean to me all the time. But she does. She really doesn't give a fuck. Like at one point they're at a party and Olivia overhears two girls like talking shit about her and the way she looks. And she's just like, oh, I'm upset that that's what they think about Asher. (laughs) She it doesn't even phase her at all. She doesn't care. That level of confidence. She she really did not give a shit. I would have flipped out. I'd be like, bitch, who are you talking about? Who you think you talking about? Olivia was just like, oh, that's sad. All right. <laughs> I fell on the ice and my face is all busted up and I'm still at this party. She, I, I loved her so much. She is, I love that kind of female main character that's not like bogged down by insecurities constantly. Like, it's realistic to be insecure at some points, but, like, give your main characters some confidence. Let them feel good about themselves sometimes. Because the ones that are just constantly feeling bad about themselves and the way they look are such downers. I agree. Yeah, that'll definitely bring a a book down for me, especially when it's a plus-size female main character and you make that her entire personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like... There are so many mid-size, plus-size women who are comfortable in their skin and love who they are. And I want to see more of those characters. Yes, please. All right. So final thoughts on our Christmas book, Sarah? I loved it. I plan on reading more. Um, I'm definitely going to read more of Reindeer Falls uh, by Jaina Astin. And uh, I think I'm also going to read, what was the other one that was a series? Um uh i can't um the grump the The, grump who stole christmas yeah i think i'm gonna read uh those two um and see how they are especially because they're so short Uh, Mm -hmm. and there's like a whole lot of other christmas out there there's so many christmas stories out there i would love some more monster wrecks because that honestly made my whole season i've been telling anyone and everyone to please read that book because it is just such a wild ride merry christmas please do it honestly really the only book out of here that i just did not love was step santa because the plot just really wasn't that believable and smut didn't really do much for me but it wasn't a bad book it just it just didn't do it for me but all of these other ones i would definitely easily recommend to go read them a hundred percent i think my favorites were definitely falling under the mistletoe and window shopping my favorite of the short ones i would say was probably um Dipped in Holly by Dana Asali. I loved Dipped in Holly so much. So if any of these sound interesting to you, give them a read and let us know your thoughts. We love hearing from you guys if you end up reading anything that we recommend on the podcast. All right, let's get into what we are reading this week. So it's been a little while. Uh, We are probably switching, well, definitely switching to at least uh, a biweekly schedule Depending on how things go with my job and Ash's job and everything that we have going on, it might be a little bit more than that between episodes, but at this point, we're just kind of recording when we're able. Um, So I've got a long backlog of books (laughs) to share with you since uh, you haven't heard from us since the sports romance episode, but other than all of the Christmas books I read... 
I have read the Promised in Blood trilogy by Lilith Vincent, and I really enjoyed it. I'm trying to get Sarah to read it, even though she has some negative thoughts about Mafia Reverse Harem. I just felt like it was really well done. The plot was interesting. The pacing was good. The smut was solid. Uh, All around great trilogy. Um, I also read Captivated by Tessa Bailey and Eve Dangerfield on Sarah's recommendation. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I read Dirty Wicked Prince by Eden O'Neill, Monsters Under My Bed by MJ Marstons, Love Unexpected by QB Tyler, Sleet Sugar by SJ Tilly, The Four Horsemen series by Sarah Bailey, Liars by Dana Asali, All Roads Lead Here and Underlock by Mariana Zapata, and There Is No Devil by Sophie Lark, which was the final book in the duology, which um, There Are No Saints. So that was fantastic. I loved those two books. That duet was so solid. The playlists that go along with them were my favorite. Sophie Lark does a fantastic job of picking out music that really fits like the vibe of her books. So highly recommend. I really enjoyed that. Sarah, what were you reading? So I do plan on on picking that up again. I wasn't in the mood. I have not been in a dark mood at all. You know, I really have just wanted happy books lately, uh, which reading a ton of Christmas books has definitely helped. And I'm probably going to read more. Uh, I read Property of the Mountain Man by Gemma Weir. If you're looking for a crazy, possessive contemporary, this one is for you. It does get a little redundant, uh, but I enjoyed it. I read A Shadow in the Ember by Jennifer Armentrout and the Reborn series by M. Sinclair. It no doubt has been an easy read. (laughs) She says the word no doubt in those books a lot, which I texted Sam constantly. I was like, we got to search each book and see how many times she says no doubt, which... Me with Wilst in the Four Horsemen series. (laughs) Wilst happened a lot. Uh, The fifth (laughs) book is not out. That comes out this summer. I am definitely feeling some more dragon vibes. I really like dragon shifters. Um... You know, it's, it's a really easy read, instant connection. That's just kind of like the vibes I've been in. Uh, I read Return All by Eve Dangerfield. This is a Daddy King book. Um, who would have thought? <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's super cute. Uh, currently reading Warrior Daddy by Layla Frost. Uh, and I really think we should poll the audience and see if you guys would like a daddy episode. Uh, I think the people want it, Sam. I think I think we need to do it. So what I'm hearing is Sarah's going to make me read a whole bunch of fucking daddy books. <laughs> Listen, you've already read a couple, okay? And and you liked it. You were into it. And, you know, I'm going to have to... Uh, there is such a range for daddy. I've even read some stuff that makes me uncomfortable um, and everything in between. But, I mean, I, th- I think the people want it. I think you need to put a poll on Instagram and see if people would want it. Okay. I'll do it after this episode is posted and we'll see what everyone's thoughts are on a daddy episode. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for hanging with me, Sarah, and reading all these Christmas books. Uh, this was quite a ride from the Grinch all the way down to Asher and Olivia. Yeah. If you have any other Christmas wrecks, like send them our way. I'm definitely still reading them. It is the season. well thank you for listening to this week's episode of smut and spice please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts for our next episode we'll be discussing our favorite books and series of the year for our last episode of 2021 you can find us on instagram and tiktok at smut and spice pod we'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening.